Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In December of 2001, Aussies across the continent were hit with earth-shattering news. Not anywhere near what we heard a couple months before. <laughs> Holden Racing Team's golden boy, Craig Lowndes, was joining Ford's Blue Oval. Shockwaves rippled through the legions of loyal V8 supercar racing fans. It was known that you were either Team Holden or Team Ford and there was no switching sides. A rivalry deeper than the Hatfield and McCoys and more bitter than the Red Sox and Yankees was about to be put to the ultimate test. But how did this deep-seated rivalry even begin? Is this the story of gladiators being forged in the crucible of ultimate battle or just two bastions of the same big corporate business propping up car sales with race wins? Has this famed automotive rivalry from down under come to a peaceful conclusion and broken generational racing curses? Today on Fast Gas, we dive into the fantastic world of V8 supercar racing and the decades-long feud between Australian automakers Holden and Ford. Fast Gas Podcast. It's about cars. It's not about ports. You might be out there thinking, out there up in Radio Land, K C A R, the car. That's right. We're on radio. It's digital radio, guys. Freaking one hundred nine five. How you doing out there? One hundred nine five. Digital radio. K C A R, the car. You might be out there in Radio Land thinking, Ford. 
that's an American company. It's not mm-hmm. an Australian company. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, pal? You're rightish. Yeah, but they make cars for Australia that they, we don't get. They make yeah. sick cars yeah. for Australia that we don't get. Are then, you guys beholden to any of these companies? Uh, I mean, essentially, it's Chevy versus Ford. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably be on Team Ford for this one. I think I'd have to be on Team Ford as well. Dude, I would okay, love that. Okay, that just you, Joe. I'll be holding just okay. for... Okay. I mean, that means he wins because he's oh. the underdog. Oh. Uh, that, that's not dude, a hard a Ford fast rule. Falcon. I would love one of those Ford Falcons it's with like a Barra engine like, in, inline six in it. Is, sure, I don't know. yeah. Uh, that's totally. only like Australian engine. And my Shelly in the passenger seat. <laughs> my Sheila. My Sheila. <laughs> my Sheila in the passenger seat, which is on the other side. <laughs> it's over there. But it's normal for me. It's normal for me. I don't know why I'm even mentioning it. Maybe it's because you're a Yank. I'm a cowboy too. Ned Kelly, tick, tick, boom. Probably sort of um, a nuanced history that Ned Kelly has. Something I don't know. I bet a lot of people think he's a hero and a lot think he's a foe. I don't know. It's usually how these things go. All right. Welcome to Past Gas, everybody. Joined as all, I, my name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, James Pumphrey. Crikey! <laughs> Shelly, get over here. <laughs> oh, let me give you a big old smoocher on the docket. My <laughs> Sheila. My Sheila Royley. And Joe Weber. People are going to hate these accents we do this whole time. <laughs> We're <laughs> committed. <laughs> Gotta elongate your vowels. Gotta elongate your vowels. It's like you got bread stuck on the top of your mouth. <laughs> what? Vegemite. Vegemite. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> this week, we're talking about V8 supercar racing. Uh, not- we're getting all the hits. Bathurst. Holding. <laughs> holding. Ford. They got Ford Falcon. Oh, no. It's a holding. Better not let him pass. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the show today. <laughs> that's it. Boomerang no, around that is, uh, corner, mate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what can I didgeridoo you for? <laughs> yes, this is a, a episode you guys have been uh, requesting for a long time. I think from a lot of Australian listeners. Yeah. Because this is something that us Yanks don't really know a whole bunch about. We love our Yikes. V8s, but we don't know anything about this uh, supercar racing. I know a little bit about it. Well, you don't know. What do you know about it, about it? Well, you know, uh, there's a fierce rivalry between Holden and Ford for a number <laughs> yes, of years. Yes, there is. Some people were Team Holden. Some people people were Team Ford. Yep. But they both had V8s, and they were both super cars. That they are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's basically like Australia's version of NASCAR. They're not running on ovals though; they run on road courses. Uh, but you know. Very similar uh, kind of methodology, right? But wanna... way closer to a streetcar, though, yeah? Pretty close, but still very tube chassis. Like, underneath, they barely even resemble the, the cars uh, we can buy. Uh, I feel like Jeremiah would be really good at V8 supercar racing. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. He's kind of wild with it. Yeah, he he's just got fourth place. Low though. key, he's pretty wild with it. Yeah. Low key, but that's what you need when you're doing them V8 supercars. Got a swerver on the kangaroos. The last of the big <laughs> V8s. But yeah, I think uh, they. I don't think they have like any track control or nope. uh, ABS. At least they didn't. 
uh, yeah, big heavy cars with brakes that aren't very good. Yeah, much yeah. like American stock cars. Uh-huh. Uh Pretty tough cars to drive there. I have tried like a Bathurst uh, V8 supercar race on the sim, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to control. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty wily. Takes some skilled. It, it takes a, a a real driver. It's slipperier than a bangaroo kink farming. What? A bangaroo <laughs> like AI write me in write me an Australian joke. It's slicker than a bangaroo cake foreman. <laughs> it certainly is. Hi, oh, nice to meet you. Bangaroo cake foreman. That's my name, mate. <laughs> That's Mr. Bangaroo Cake Foreman to you, <laughs> Sheila. What's the Holden like SVT? I know this. Holden HS- Special Vehicles? HS- HSV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do the Commodore, uh, super crazy, like, horsepower mm-hmm. Commodore, 600 horsepower, the something Commodore. like that. The Commodore HSV, mate. Which is the Pontiac G8? Is that yes. the same car? Mm-hmm. Okay. And there the are- Chevy SS. Mm-hmm. That was another Holden. Uh, and you yeah. see people. Which, you know, is named after the Nazi secret police. I don't know if it's named directly after them, but it's mm-hmm. it certainly shares the same abbreviation. It does, yeah. and they came out with that moniker like not very long after. I I know, like yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. That's like if Chevy right now is like, all right, we're gonna start calling our special team like the Bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the Chevy Kekistan. I think someone did. I, I had a Camaro shirt in high school, unsurprisingly. That tracks. Yeah. But it said, like, SS on it. Yeah. And I remember now, yeah. someone made the same connection. And yeah. I was like... You didn't get oh. it at the time? Yeah. No, I, I got it. I was like, that's a card thing. But now I'm like, oh, that, I don't know. Yeah, not... It's weird, pretty close. Weird branding yeah. decision. Follow the money. Okay, let's get into the story now. For those of us on the other side of the hemisphere who may not be aware, Holden is a classic Australian car manufacturer, as synonymous with the continent as Vegemite and kangaroos. look like men. Holden started as a saddlery business in 1856, meaning they made saddles for yeah. horses. Uh, we did, I made a video about Holden. Mm-hmm. One yeah. of you guys probably wrote it. I wrote it. Yeah, Joe wrote it. It's really good. Uh, check it out on our YouTube channel. That's MrBeast.com. MrBeast.com <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Get a grilled cheese. When so you're yeah, here. they were making <laughs> saddles, and after the turn of the century, they started building car bodies for both Ford and General Motors. Because you know, you still had to. It's like coach building was still a thing. You could mm-hmm. buy a, a, a chassis, but you still had to buy a body for the car. I wish it was still like that. You wish it was still like that. Yeah. Just adds like another thing I got to do. Yeah, pick a body. Gotta I mean, it kind of is still like that. A bunch of cars share the same chassis. They just put the body on for you. Mm. That's true. We just talked about the Lancer X Evo. Mm -hmm. Lancer 10 uh, is on the same platform as the Dodge Journey, the Dodge Avenger. That's Mm -hmm. insane The Eclipse Cross, the Outlander. Yeah, the MQB platform. That's Golf, Jetta, Passat, Tiguan. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you're right. A bunch of Mercedes. I could just pick a body. Macan, Audi Q8 shares the chassis with the Urus. It really is kind of the way Urus. things are still. Yeah. Now Urus. give me my spaghetti and meatballs, cracker. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. It means something different over there. It, yeah. 
Anyway, uh, General Motors would later purchase Holden in 1931 and merge the business with their Australian car production arm. GM used this move to solidify their Aussie identity under the Holden name. In 1948, after World War II, Holden released the 48-215, or the FX, better known colloquially as the Holden. <laughs> this was the first car built by Australians for Australians, to enormous success. However, it was the thrill of watching Australian Touring Car Championship racing that drove Holden's sales into the stratosphere in the decades to come. The first Australian Touring Car Championship, or ATCC, or what is now known as the V8 Supercar Series, was originally only a single race held at New Bloss Motor Racing Circuit in Orange, New South Wales on February 1st, 1960. Until 1969, the championship was decided by a single race consisting of just 20 laps around a track that was 75 miles long. The race is 75 miles. Oh, I was like, that's a long-ass race a track. long track, but it's yeah. not that long. It's no, 20 it's not. laps, 75 miles total. That's a pretty small window to decide a championship, in my opinion. <laughs> that yeah. is, uh, yeah. yeah. A, you know, seems like a picnic. Like, that might dictate car sales in the country for an entire year. That's insane. Just 75 miles. Dude. 20 laps is probably over in, like, 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then they... Have a barbecue. Nah. Cars were not as reliable back then, so uh, if they're trying to sell cars, yeah, you want a bunch of Oh, them my car out. can go 75 miles. How about you heck off? Yeah, <laughs> that's heck, not that heck the right Heck the right off. Dude, you know what that means in Australia? I don't want to know. It's way yeah. worse. Anyway, it the has race. Something to, it's, uh, it has something to do with SS. Oh. <laughs> the race also changed locations each year. So, all right. There you go. Holden had been the only Australian car manufacturer for 12 years until Ford launched their Australian-made Falcon in 1960. Ford Falcon. Sick. I want an Australian Falcon. And I also want the car. Unlike <laughs> the Holden vehicles, the first generations of Falcons were widely unreliable, and Holden held their share of car sales in Australia at about 50% throughout the 1960s. That's a big chunk. That's a big chunk because, okay, we just introduced Ford as another Australian car maker, so, like, you're thinking 50% Holden, 50% Ford. No, no. that's 50% Holden, 50% everything else because they still sold other crap there. You wow. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay? Just think about that. But something changed in 1965. Australian supercar racer Norm Stormin Norman Beachy. <laughs> cool. Dude, I would call him Normandy. Normandy. Normandy oh, Beachy. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've been Norm Normandy Beachy. D-Day, dude. I'd call him D-Day. D-Day. Norman D-Day Beachy. That's pretty like good. Like the guy F from yeah, Animal dude. House? Yeah. Yeah. He was like 55 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, Norm Storm and Norman Beachy won the ATCC in an absolutely stunning Neptune Blue notchback Ford Mustang Ooh. powered by a Shelby American engine. Ooh, that's cool. Beachy had specifically traveled to America to order his winning Mustang. The racing engine and spare parts in person from my grandpa, Carol <laughs> Shelby himself. Chili King. Chili King. I want to wish uh, last week, this is going to air in a couple weeks, but uh, last week was Father's Day. I want to give a big shout <laughs> to my dad, Jeremy Clarkson, and my grandpa, Carol Shelby. <laughs> you see, when you don't have a father, you get to make them up. <laughs> 
While Beachy's Mustang was the first V8 to win the ATCC, it wouldn't be the last. Oh, thank God. The, the, I know. This <laughs> would have been boring. The big, beefy American V8-powered Ford Mustangs would go on to win five consecutive ATCC titles from 1965 to 1969. Wow. Nice. That's a lot. That's all the years. That's almost every year. <laughs> That's all of them. <laughs> Australians were soon freaking clamoring. For their own Mustang. Clams on the Barbie. Give me some Mustangs, mate. <laughs> I don't want this crap. Give me a Mustang, you Sheila. But they were only available in the U.S. However, the Mustangs shared the same platform as the Ford Falcon. We mm -hmm. also made a video on one of them early Falcons. Yeah. Uh, those things are sick. Uh, we shot that at the Motoring Club, which is uh, a cool place for like car guys to hang out it's like a workspace and yeah. do all kinds of little perks uh that counts as a plug guys hit me <laughs> up and give me a free membership <laughs> even though holden was ahead of ford producing between eleven thousand and twelve thousand absolute units monthly during the same time period the pressure to perform on the racetrack as well as the dealership began to take hold hmm. the age-old adage went on son stay Boys on Monday Day <laughs> uh, has its origins in these early days of Australian supercar racing. Oh. And to illustrate that connection between car sales and race wins, we've got to talk about the Bathurst 500, founded the same year that the ATCC started. There, you finally get more miles. The finally, you said finally, well, 75 is not miles. a much. 75 miles is a uh, wimpy little race. It's not enough, yeah. Joe. Uh, dude, now they spend way more than 75 miles under safety car. Under yellow flag. <laughs> wow. <laughs> In the 60s, a consumer could quite literally drive out of the dealership with a car that at the very least looked exactly like the car that had won the great race the previous weekend. Ooh, you nice. see the great race? The great race. You see the great race? As the race had specifically been restricted to stock standard production cars prior to 1973, conquering the Mount Panorama course also provided reliability and notoriety, hmm. something Ford proved. Conquering the Mount Panorama course also proved reliability and notoriety, something Ford was slowly chipping away at in the Australian car market. For context, in 1967, a Ford Falcon GT won at Bathurst, but the following two years, a Holden Monero cinched the win. Mm. Australian racing changed again in 1969 when, for the first time ever, the ATCC was held as a series of heats instead of a single race, and included the Bathurst 500. So they're finally adding more races yeah. to the season instead Makes of sense. the weird 75-mile <laughs> yeah. race. They're like, and we're done. They're, like, they're not going to race for the next year. Yeah, they're like, listen, sometimes people have a bad day. Sometimes their Sheila don't make his eggs right. But we want to so, sell cars. Well, I also imagine that if you won that year, like, you are happy that it's only one race because yeah. you can claim to be the champion the whole time. Yeah. And then if you lose, you're not so happy about it. And it probably changed. Your opinion probably changed every year, mm -hmm. uh, depending on who won. Then the very next year, Norm Stormin' Norman D-Day Beachy took the <laughs> 1970 title in a Holden Monaro. Monaro. It was the first ATCC title won by a driver in a Holden car. 
This win ushered in a new era of competition between Ford and Holden with an arms race-esque urgency to one-up each other on the track. This is you see this a oh, lot so, in motorsport. A lot of just two companies battling it out right well, now. It's a uh, describing racing. <laughs> you know, one tries to be faster than the other. Sometimes yeah. that one wins. Well, see this a lot okay, so racing. I was totally wrong. They it's just start like, at the start line and they finish the finish. If line. you're four, and whoever comes in first at the end is the winner. They That's chug yogurt in Australia. <laughs> yeah, they chug a big old sloppy bucket of yogurt. <laughs> Kangaroo yogurt. Kangaroo get. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's what mm. dunkaroos are. <laughs> Why is it brown? Yeah. Mm. That's what it's like. Kangaroo oh. yogurt. Okay. A lot it's, of it's, nutrients. I was going to say breast milk, but that's redundant. Scrape it out of the pouch. All milk comes from breasts. Thank you for the clarification, James. <laughs> I've got yogurt, Greg. You want to milk me? I've got yogurt, Greg. You want to milk me? I'm a Dunkaroo. I'm a Dunkaroo, Greg. <laughs> and the the little pretzel sticks are supposed to be nipples. Yeah, they're really nipples. Long nipples. Yeah, the they're, the cookies are nipples. Great. That's what a Dunkaroo. That Dunkaroos. That's why you have to be 18 to buy Dunkaroos. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I used to hang out outside of the convenience yeah. store and ask homeless guys to buy me my friend's Dunkaroos. Yeah. I did come out with like vodka and you're like, yeah. what the hell? I, like, I don't want vodka. <laughs> I want that sweet, sweet kangaroo teat juice. <laughs> I want to dip the nipple chips in it. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Dunkaroos. Dunkaroos. Uh, proud sponsor of. We need an I guess. statement. What's your I statement? Yeah. I, I think if you're looking for a great snack option, Dunkaroos are a great option. Um, they got a little something for everybody. I they love don't hurt your credit. They don't hurt. <laughs> Roo juice. I love chugging that sweet, thick Roo juice. And the only thing that makes it better is the nipple-shaped cookies. <laughs> Dunkaroos, get in the pouch. It doesn't hurt your credit. Get in the pouch. Get in the pouch. <laughs> They're not bad for you. <laughs> if after 90 days you don't like your Dungaroos experience, <laughs> Dunkaroos? You can return them for jeans made of cookies? Your jeans made out of kangaroos. Dungaroos. Get in the pouch. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find 
people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The 1970s introduced a new rivalry between drivers, not just car manufacturers, because to fan the flames of competition and launch a rivalry to the status of legends, <laughs> you're going to need some main characters. Nice. Dude, that means casting. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. Alan Moffat, he was a Canadian who moved to Australia Seth when Rogan. he was uh, 17. I was going to say Jay Baruchel. Oh. Uh, he started racing in the early 60s mm. and never looked back. No way. I want to blacklist Jay Baruchel. Why? Huh? I got my reasons. Uh, was he uh, rude to you at a party or something? Or No. I just think he's an awful actor. <laughs> Alan Moffat. I, I still like alive. the comedic stylings of Jay Bear. You are that make that tracks. Yeah, I like, Have you guys you're a bear shell head? I wouldn't call myself a bear shell head. If anything, I'm a, a, a Jason Siegel. Okay, so uh, I love Jason Siegel. We should all right, so we're gonna cast this movie. Okay. All right, but we're only gonna use the early two thousands Judd Apatow crew. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking Jonah Hill's still on the table. Yeah. Definitely. But they're them now. Oscar nom Jonah Hill. Yeah. Okay. Is up. Uh, He's just an option. He hasn't been cast yet. No, no, no. Because right. no, 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 no. Alan Moffat looks, he is does not look like Baruchel at all. What's he look like? He looks like maybe Zahn could play him. Okay. Oh. I'll open it up. Mm. He's got kind of, you know, like a wider wider face. He looks like the guy from uh, the Australian duo satirical music duo oh Sav- you're talking about jermaine clement yeah I, but he could Kiwis. definitely play yeah him. he's a jermaine oh clement. but yeah definitely yep yeah. yep yep he's already got the accents yeah. or the guy from american horror story who played Dahmer, evan peters evan peters yeah i met him at a uh that like stock car driving experience lucky over at fontana <sighs> lucky he was just, like kind of standing there by himself like Dahmer. Oh, he was yeah. probably getting ready. Training. Yeah. I saw an interview Years with in him. Advance. He said he like started like six months before Whoa. and like would start. He would walk without moving his arms and stuff. That guy's like method. Wow. Yeah, and not in the annoying Jared Leto way, but in like the cool Jeffrey Dahmer way. In the cool Jeffrey Dahmer. Way. <laughs> okay, so sorry. <laughs> Jeffrey he moved Dahmer. to Australia when he was seventeen. <laughs> started racing in the sixties. Never looked back. In Alan Moffat's early years, he had spent some time in America driving Mustangs for Carroll Shelby in the Trans Am Racing Series, uh, which is perhaps when his allegiance to the Blue Oval first started. Moffat raced Mustangs in the ATCC between 65 and 69, but these modified muscle car beasts were not allowed at the Bathurst race called the Hardy Ferrodo 500 at the time. Hardy Ferrodo. Hardy Ferrodo. In 1969, Moffitt made his Bathurst 500 debut at age 30. 
and a Ford Falcon with the Ford Works team. Unfortunately for Moffat and Ford, they placed fourth due to reliability issues. However, unlike the other drivers on his team, Moffat was able to work with the obstacles instead of against them. For example, the driver was able to avoid a significant pileup simply because his Falcon was jammed in neutral mm-hmm. out of a, a particularly tight corner. Nice. Silver linings, I guess. Moffat's skill in treating the car gently yet maintaining his lead would not go unnoticed in the following years. Moffat brought a Bathurst victory to the Ford team in 1970 and 71. This established the Ford Falcon as the car to beat, with Ford making important improvements each year. Good. That's good. They should. They should. They should be expected to. Well, they shouldn't be rewarded for it. What do they, they want to raise? Be rewarded for doing. What do they, they want to raise? For making no. good improvements. No. 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 More success. More success. More success. More success. Do you want to feel it? No. You no. can't. No. You. Don't. We get it because yeah. we bought it. It's ours now. That's my impression. <laughs> well, in 1972, in you guys might be happy to hear this, James. These improvements came to an abrupt halt. Thank God. Maybe they can buy it back. <laughs> the Bathurst race rules required at least 200 cars to be sold at Australian dealerships in order for the vehicle to qualify for entry for the race. It was a homologation rule. The nation suddenly became gripped with the fear of 160-mile-per-hour supercars on our roads, yeah. unquote and a media panic ensued. This forced Ford to chuck their planned Phase 4 Ford Falcon, that's a mouthful, to appease public relations. Moffitt, along with other Ford Works drivers, were forced to drive the previous year's model Falcon at Bathurst. The race went on in wet weather, and the Ford team was incapacitated by issues with the Falcon's unreliable brakes. It rains in Australia? And that's where Peter Brock came in. We've talked about Peter Brock. This is the other Peter Brock. The other Peter Brock. Peter Brock is one of Australia's most recognizable race car drivers, whose reputation, both as a stone-cold endurance driver and a new-age pseudoscience nut, precedes him. Is this the guy that put the crystal in his car? It sure is, Joe. We did an episode on him, number 160. You can hear about the, what was it called, like the energy inverter or something like that? The energy polarizer. Thank you, Christina. Anyway, uh, Brock's career revolved around the Bathurst race on Mount Panorama. He made his debut in 1969, the same year as Moffat, in a Holden Monaro. Brock finished third that year, ahead of Moffat. In 1972, Brock would claim the first of his record nine wins at Bathurst. Driving a Holden Tirana in wet conditions, he snatched the Bathurst winning streak from Moffat and Ford at a very opportune time. The very next year, the Bathurst race was expanded from 500 miles, Joe, to 1,000 kilometers, or 621.4 miles in America. It's weird to go from miles to kilometers. Mm-hmm. And the entire ATCC made some regulation changes. The Confederation of Australian Motorsports, or CAMS, implemented Group C <laughs> regulations for touring cars across all of ATCC. And this meant that the ATCC would no longer allow highly modified class cars like the Ford Mustangs that had dominated since '65 nor the production touring class cars, which typically won at Bathurst. Only mildly modified touring cars were allowed to run from then on. Moffat won the first Bathurst 1000 and then claimed the 1973 ATCC crown as well, despite the fact that his Ford Falcon GTHO Get the hell out! Yeah, was stolen before the sixth round race in Adelaide. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, Moffat ended up competing in a borrowed Falcon and was bested by Brock in his Torona. 
A few days later, Moffat's real car was recovered in a ditch with minor damage, as well as a note that read, quote, My apologies to Alan. Sorry we inconvenienced you, but what a beaut car it was. I hope you go on the beat the Tiranas, Alan. Sorry about the spare carby, but we had to hawk it for fuel. What a thirsty beast it was. Signed, <laughs> the Phantom Hunter. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. And like he's driving his car around, and they're like, "Oh, there's another carb in here. Let's sell it, buy gas." Yeah, yeah drive this, shit this is a thirsty beast. This is a thirsty beast. <laughs> it sounds wild. like some of the DMs I get. Yeah. It's like <laughs> insane. Yeah, but like thinking that like you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what a thirsty beast it was. It's like, dude, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Around this time, despite Moffat's strong showing, the suits at Ford were spooked. They had stood by the supercar scare of 1972 and the new Group C regulations, but when Moffat had his car stolen, they said enough was enough. Ford cited the oil crisis of 73 as the reason they decided to quit while they were ahead and pulled their support from all ATCC racing. That's such a bogus reason. They're just, like, waiting for something to happen. Well, remember as well, at the time... A lot of uh, manufacturers pulled out of their factory yeah. works racing because also they didn't want regulators to have to do it for them. Yeah. You know. Uh, regulators. Regulators. Mount up. Mount up. Uh, this meant that for Moffitt, along with his Ford teammates, they now needed to find their own funding and start private teams if they wanted to continue racing. Moffitt already had an established private racing team of his own, but that didn't ease the blow. In 1974, the Holden dealer team had a leg up, while the previous Ford drivers all scrambled to find sponsorships and financing. Mm-hmm. Although Peter Brock did not finish at the Bathurst race that year, and a Ford Falcon ended up taking the win, Brock claimed his first ATCC title. Brock parted ways with the Holden dealer team and achieved his second Bathurst win in 1975 in a privately funded Holden Tirana. Mm. <laughs> His previous Holden team member, Colin Bond, 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 Colin Bond, <laughs> took the ATCC crown home. As for Moffat, he failed to finish the Bathurst race in both 1974 and 1975, but claimed his second ATCC title in 76 despite more trouble again prior to the Adelaide race. Moffat's XP Falcon burned in a transporter fire. Whoa. So Moffat again had to borrow a fellow racer's ride for two rounds of the ATCC. Bad luck, Moffat. Yeah. His new Falcon would be assembled in just eight weeks with the help of Ford and would go on to see Moffat's greatest racing achievements the next year. Having officially withdrawn from racing in 1973, Ford was still providing backdoor assistance to the Moffitt racing team during the 1976 and 1977 seasons, and the driver claimed his third ATCC title in 1977 with their help. Uh, Who doesn't like a little backdoor assistance? (laughs) His secret weapon was teammate Bond. Colin Bond. Colin Bond. Colin Bond. <laughs> Have you ever met my British cousin James? <laughs> I don't use guns, just a bangaroo. Is <laughs> <laughs> my wife Sheila Dirt Nasty? Yeah. <laughs> Colin had just switched to Ford after driving for Holden for eight years. 
Moffitt and Bonds Forts dominated at Bathurst that year, crossing the finish line in tandem for a 1-2 finish. That's cool. Boom, boom, click, click, boom. Regulators mount up. This is still considered one of the most memorable Mount Panorama moments of all time, especially in hindsight. <laughs> you know, I didn't appreciate it when yeah. I was there, but looking back, it was a pretty good race. Yeah. I wasn't even alive, but looking back, I think it was pretty significant. <laughs> you see someone in like a Bathurst 1977 shirt, and you're like, you weren't even there. You weren't even there. <laughs> Name seven Bathurst 1977 races. <laughs> Lamont Champ Jackie Eeks, spelled I-C-K-X, which is sick. Well, he went too rough on the unreliable brakes of the Falcon during his laps. For the last 12 of the Bathurst, Mofat lost all braking Mofat. <laughs> <laughs> That's Moffat. like a really expensive synth bass. For the last 12 laps of Bathurst, Moffat lost all braking capability and still finished a full lap ahead of, of the brand new Holden A9X hatchback Tirana. Dang. Wow. It's almost no surprise that in 1977, for the first time, Ford outsold Holden in Australia, with the Ford Falcon edging out the Holden <laughs> Kingswood. Wait, the it edged position. out the Kingwood? Yeah, it edged out the Kingwood for the top position. Oh. The little, little backdoor support. I'm top now. <laughs> the moment Ford had been working for was finally here, but it didn't last long. Holden no. launched the Commodore at the end of 1978, and by 1979, they were back on top of the car sales rankings. Nice. In 1978, the Hardy's Heroes Top 10 Shootout qualifying format was introduced at Bathurst. Later called the Hardy Ferodo 1000. This is a one lap qualifying race, one lap qualifying race that decides the top 10 places on the starting race. So it's grid. like a sprint. Probably a sprint, time, F1 sprint. It's a time attack. It's like yeah. a 50 yard dash. Yeah. That first year in 1978, Peter Brock took pole position in a Holden Tirana A9X, which is cool looking. It's super cool. Super it's like cool. a Fox Body Mustang. Super cool. He went on to win the great race for the third time, then a fourth time in 1979, oh, winning by right. an outrageous six laps, this and again for a fifth time in 1980 in the new Holden Commodore. Wow. Holden cars, absolute. What is a Commodore? It's like a, it's like a sea captain? Uh, Commodore Norrington. Um, it's a yeah, sea captain. Yeah. President of a yacht club. Well, President that's like a yacht. new one. That's when like rich guys want to sound Captains who commanded cool. or had commanded squadrons or divisions. Ooh, man. Mm -hmm. Commodore Pumphrey, we've got a problem in the engine room. I said get the hell out of here. <laughs> Don't come at me unless we can see the whites in their eyes. We're on a ship. <laughs> we can't see nothing. <laughs> Was Captain Crunch a Commodore? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a captain. You just, so he doesn't have a squadron? Lone so. ship, that one. Just a lone ship, yeah. yeah. Commodore Crunch. <laughs> Commodore Crunch. <laughs> oh, mom got Commodore Crunch again. <laughs> Commodore like Crunch. It would be Commodore Crisp. <laughs> Commodore Crisp. Commodore Crisp. <laughs> yeah, Commodore yeah. Crisp. I will say, though, uh, the Marshmallow Mateys were better than Lucky Charms. Also. Yeah? Yeah. You, you yeah. convinced yourself of that. That's not true. Yeah, maybe I did. Well, no. I had some Commodore Crisp and some Shasta <laughs> this morning, and I'm not feeling great. I'm not feeling great. I got to quit drinking Shasta in the morning. Commodore <laughs> Crisp? 
Uh, I had a headache, so I took some old twill. I'm dizzy. <laughs> and my fingernails are bleeding. <laughs> oh, seriousness, I was playing with the dog this weekend, mm-hmm. and I stubbed my toe really hard, and my freaking toenail's about to fall off. Ah, that's gross. It hurt so bad. I don't even have a dog. You have two cats, huh? I love them so much. That's almost a dog. Uh, <laughs> Weight-wise? They're, they're bigger than... Weight-wise? Someone, someone, yeah. How much is a cat weigh? Like 10 pounds at 10 least. pounds, 20 pounds. That's what's a 20-pound dog? What's a 20-pound dog? Well, I mean, we saw that. Oh, you guys weren't there If you know of any 20-pound dogs, please send a I picture know. to passgas at donutmedia.com. Please do. I'd love to see your dog. We'd love to see only 20 pounds. 30-pound dogs, get out of here. 10-pound dogs, get out of here. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. But this week, all I want to see is 20-pound dogs and... Uh, Send them to Mrs. Harry Styles. Yeah, Mrs. Harry Styles at gmail.com or pass gas at mm-hmm. donamedia.com. We'll get back to more pass gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Although the rivalry between Moffat and Brock on the track was bitter, it turns out they were great friends outside the racing circuit. Moffat later recalled, Peter and I were very friendly. We were both mutually respective of each other. Behind the scenes, we were best of mates. It made us both better drivers because it pushed us to compete hard. And we very rarely touched each other on the track. But off, but the, off track. the track. You <laughs> bet your bottom dollar we was touching, mate. You bet your bangaroo we were twiddling. We was twiddling till the sun went up. <laughs> Dick Johnson, come on. Yeah. In 1980, Dick Johnson appeared on the scene. There's nothing funny about that. No. Though he raced Holden cars until 1977, he jumped ship to Ford. Then, while leading the race at Bathurst, 17 laps in, tragedy struck. Johnson drove over a rock and completely wrecked his self-funded Ford Falcon. He called for help on national TV, quote, crying like a baby. And it worked. Australian racing fans quickly began making donations, and Edsel Ford II personally wrote to Johnson, Dick Johnson, promising that Ford would match the donations dollar for dollar, and they delivered. Ford matched the $78,000 raised for a total of $156,000 to get Johnson back on the track. Was this all during the race? No. (laughs) (laughs) To get Johnson back on the track, solidifying his now legendary partnership with Ford. Dick Johnson gloriously returned to racing in 1981 with his new, iconic, true blue Ford Falcon XD. It's smiling. He finished the season with a win at Bathurst and an Australian touring car championship. I would daily this thing. Yeah, this is sick. Looks like a Fox Body Mustang boned a Volvo 740. Uh, Yeah, this is dope. I follow a guy on Instagram that is building one of these. It's built already, but he has a turbocharged Barra. Inline six in it, and it's Will you send so me sick. his Instagram? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I'll follow that too. Yeah. 
Dick Johnson's run was short-lived, however. From 1982 until 84, Holden's Peter Brock and co-driver Larry Perkins would monopolize Bathurst. 1984 also marked the last of the big bangers. Last of the big V8s. This marketing ploy was used to celebrate the end of Group C regulations for ATCC. Noise. The championship series shifted to Group A rules for the 1985 season. Noise. This Group A rule change brought ATCC in line with the rest of the racing world. Now, yeah, every time you go on the 105, there's people put up no ice. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're against uh, yeah, ice. ice. Yeah. But it says noise. Noise. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like this rule change. Yeah. Now cars from outside Australia could participate in making it harder and harder for the locally produced Holden to compete. Neither a Holden nor a Ford won the ATCC or the Bathurst that race that year. The drama picked back up in 1987 at Mount Panorama. Peter Brock in a Holden Commodore struggled to qualify in the top 10 shootout for the first time and started in 20th position. During lap 34, he had engine trouble and was forced to move to his second team car. He managed to come in third behind two Ford Sierras, which were later disqualified for technical irregularities. Ugh. Local hero Brocky had won his ninth and final Bathurst. Nice. Those Sierras, uh, this was the Kazi era? They're sweet, yes. Right? Yep. But, Joe, Dick Johnson was not far behind in his own Ford Bathurst triumph. In 1989, he won his second Bathurst in a Ford Sierra Turbo. Shice. This was the last time that a single car led every single lap before winning Bathurst. Wow. wow. Throughout most of the 1980s, the Ford Falcon reigned as the top-selling car in Australia. The Ford Falcon peaked at 15.3% of all Australian car sales in 1987. But the Holden Commodore began to creep its way back to the number one spot in the hearts, minds, and wallets of Australians throughout the next decade. 15% for one car is a lot of market share. That's a lot, yeah. The 1990s brought yet another regulation change. In 1993, when my Sheila was born, the ATCC (laughs) adopted a framework of rules that later led to the V8 Supercar category. Perhaps because seeing European cars winning on Australian soil was not entertaining for Australians, or maybe Australians just love winged 5-liter V8-powered Holden Commodores and Ford Falcons. Either way, the new rules essentially excluded all other cars. Hmm, what? That's kind of, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Between 1993 and 1997, Ford and Holden traded off winning the ATCC title with different drivers. There was also a new generation of drivers, including Mark Skyfe and Craig Lowndes. Rhymes with clowns. Clowns. (laughs) who both drove for the newly created official Holden Racing Team, HRT. Nice. Scaife grabbed the ATCC title in 1994, which was a first for Holden since Peter Brock's 1980 win. Wow. Craig Lowndes, a rookie phenomenon, burst out of the gate in 1996. That year, he won the opening race at Eastern Creek, the Sandown 500, and the Bathurst 1000, and thus the 1994 ATCC title. Although they raced for the same team, Lowndes and Scaife's rivalry pitted them against each other on countless occasions. Writer Stephen Bartholomew has later described it as such. Their styles in their car match their demeanor out of it. Scaife, a considered craftsman, and Lowndes, the flamboyant natural talent. Craig Lowndes also had a leg up elsewhere. His family had been close with Peter Brock since childhood. Hmm. 
Lowndes' dad worked as a mechanic on the Holden dealer team in the 1960s. So, Brocky himself showed Craig the ropes and took him on a drive of the Mount Panorama course in 1994. Wow. Check out these ropes. Check out these ropes. <laughs> the two remained close for the rest of Brock's life. In 1997, the V8 supercar rebrand of the ATCC signaled the start of a new era of racing. As if to usher it in, Peter Brock retired from racing that very year. Wow. Or not super anymore. Well, I mean, that was around the time that he had the the energy uh, thing in his car, and he wasn't doing very well. I'm going to quit racing and focus on these crystals. I think I might open a shop in Los Feliz. It has about six things in it, and it's got crystals and it's got salt lamp. As we mentioned in the opening, Craig Lowndes sent shockwaves through the Australian racing world when he jumped from Holden to Ford in 2001. Lowndes had his reasons, including conflict with HRT management and his rivalry with teammate Mark Skyfe. Ford also likely offered him a lot more money than Holden was able to. Ford believed that backing Lowndes, a technical underdog who still managed to win a lot, would work wonders with their car sales, just as their backing of Dick Johnson did just two decades prior. But this didn't pan out. Lowndes joined the Gibson Motorsport team only to finish the 2001 season in 11th place, which was not the result Ford had hoped for. Meanwhile, ex-HRT teammate Skyfe won the 2001 season. The next year, the Gibson Motorsport team was rebranded as 00 Motorsport, ot ot, in honor of Lowndes' racing number, but that didn't help the outcome of the season either. Lowndes finished in seventh place and left the team altogether. In 2003, Project Blueprint regulations were introduced to V8 supercar racing. This virtually removed the ongoing fight over consistency and standardized the Ford Falcons and Holden Commodores even further. The Holden Commodore was updated with a new double front wishbone suspension to bring it into line with the new Ford Falcon. Later that year, Ford won their first V8 Supercars championship in six years with driver Marcos Ambrose, something he repeated the following year. American listeners may recognize his name because Ambrose moved to NASCAR in 2006. I knew I knew that name. I was like, who is that? Who is that, Marcos You're an American listener. I am. I've always said that about you. Yes. That same year, Australian racing fans were devastated when Peter Brock died in a racing accident. The trophy for the Bathurst Endurance Classic was renamed the Peter Brock Trophy, and for his part, Craig Lowndes came back to win the event, his first in a decade and in honor of his old friend. This was Ford's first victory at Bathurst since 1998. In an incredible turn of events, the Triple Eight team lost Ford's sponsorship in 2010, and Craig Lowndes once again found himself behind the wheel of a Holden Commodore, alongside former teammate and bitter rival Mark Scaife. However, the championship went to Dick Johnson Racing, another one of our old buddies. Dickie Johnson. Dick Johnson, smelly boy. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the decade held some interesting moments. In 2011, Triple Eight Racing Engineering became the first team to sweep the three major crowns in the sport after switching from Ford to Holden Vehicles. Interesting. The 2013 Car of the Future plans opened the B8 supercar playing field to allow other manufacturers to once again compete against Ford and Holden. Finally. It was announced that Holden would stop all car production in 2021. The last factory-backed Holden cars raced in 2021, 2022, and in 2023, the Chevy Camaro replaced the iconic Holden. That's right. Now you got Mustangs in there. You got Camaros. 
Uh, just looking at the website here, you got a bunch of Mustangs and You Camaros got Bangaroos. I swear to God, there's another manufacturer that was in there recently that I was like, that's very interesting. But now it looks like it's Suzuki. only... No, I think it's just only Ford and Chevy now. So that's... Which is like the same. Yeah, it's the same. Anyway. So rest in peace, Holden. Rest in peace, Holden. The Holden vs. Ford story has everything a great rivalry needs. A mythical origin story that goes back generations. Clear colors for fans to proudly display their allegiances. And a heart-wrenching story of underdogs battling against the odds. Uh, we got a little listener mail. Mm-hmm. Hello, Nolan, Joe, and James. My name, I guess she saved the best for last. <laughs> My name's Laura, and I'm probably not in your target demographic. I'm 57 years young. I dr- she didn't say that. I made it up. <laughs> I'm 57 years old. I drive a 2013 Honda Odyssey that I won't replace until it falls apart. I'm a very cautious driver, and I don't work on my own vehicles. Yet, all my adult life, I've appreciated fine, fast cars. Nice, Laura. I enjoy going to car shows and meets. I think the Grand Tour and Classic Top Gear are great. Mm-hmm. And I love watching drift cars. Hell Heck yeah. yeah, Laura. This podcast and your YouTube channel, along with watching my son repair his 2009 Impreza, I'm sorry, <laughs> in the driveway last summer, inspired me to take a basic automotive maintenance class late last All year right. in general vocational school. Yeah. I had a great time and learned a lot, exclamation point. I changed a tire for the first time ever, which nice. might not seem like a big deal to experienced <laughs> wrenchers like you, but for me, it was a triumph. Hell yeah, Laura. That's awesome. I learned how to do a basic brake job. Nice. How to change my oil and cabin air filter. Nice. And how to replace a hood latch. Nice. That's great. I'll still be bringing the Odyssey to the shop for big repairs, but when it needs minor fixes, I'll have the confidence to do it on my own. Hell yeah, Laura. That's great. Thanks for motivating me to better myself and learn new skills with this podcast and your YouTube channel. Keep it juiced, Laura. You keep it juiced, too, Laura. You keep it juiced, Laura. P.S. My son asked me to ask you to consider doing a past gas episode on Middle Eastern car culture. This one's for you, Henry. What's up, Henry? Yeah, we might, dude. There's a lot of crazy crap over there, like 2JZ-powered little trucks and stuff. Patrol. Nissan patrols. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you, Laura, for your email. Dude, uh, you love sound awesome, gonna, Laura. Gonna you save are... a lot of money, not going to get ripped off at Jiffy Lube anymore. Whoa, so that's great. hey, what did Jiffy Lube ever wow. do Wow, well, uh, he should, she should have gone on to Valvoline. She should have gone to Valvoline. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. should have gone to Valvoline. Because Valvoline yeah. never rips you off. And it was Which America's reminds first. me, Dunkaroos, reminds best me. cracker <laughs> cookie chocolate dip out there. Get that thick, thick roux juice. All right. If you'd like to, if you'd like to get in touch with us, hit us up at passgas at donutmuted.com. We'll uh, maybe read your email on the air. You can be like Laura uh, and hear yourself on the air. So that uh, wasn't her, man. That was me. Oh man. <laughs> what? All right. Uh, follow Joe at Joe G Weber. Follow James at James Pumphrey. Follow me at Nolan J Sykes. Thank you to our producers once again every week, Christina Felsky and Gavin Kinzel, and our writer this week, Alice Pie. Thank you. Give me back my son. Bye. Bye.
Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.